One of the things I enjoyed was climbing the mountain behind our home. It's called Flower Mountain. I enjoy climbing that mountain with the massive rock structures and caves all over the place. It was a place of adventure, and uh, I considered it a very peaceful place. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. Today, we'll hear from a Laguna Pueblo man as he reflects back on his youth, his life on and off the reservation, and some things he wondered about along the way. Hi, my name is Byron Cercino. I'm from the Pueblo of Laguna right here in New Mexico. I'm from the Roadrunner and Turkey clan. My dad passes on the Roadrunner clan and my mother the Turkey clan. And when we meet one another, part of the common greeting would see, Guatsi, how are you? And so it's always nice to hear that. But even in this time, people would say that and carry on conversation in English. I'm the oldest of seven of in my family. I have uh, two brothers and four sisters and my mom and dad. And when I was born, my mom told me that I was so small that they could put me inside a size eight shoe box. And um, as far as I can remember, my family lived in an adobe structure on the reservation. We had a outside oven where us boys had to chop wood to be able to get that fire going. That oven was used to bake bread. Our home had two rooms. One was the kitchen and the long extended uh, living room that was used for sleeping. It was a, I would call a multi-generational home where my grandparents lived and my aunt and her husband and then my parents and my cousins were part of that generation that also had to learn how to use an outhouse which was nothing more than a shack that had two toilet seats built into that area. On Sunday evenings, my mom would encourage us kids to take our weekly bath uh, to get ready for school, and the members of our family would heat water on the stove, and we used an old horse trough for our bathtub. Um, this was set up on two chairs in our family, and my sisters would have the priority, and us boys would be the last ones. And uh, I always chuckled because I always felt like I was getting a bath in dirty water. Uh, growing up on the reservation had its blessing and its curses. One of the things I enjoyed was climbing the mountain behind our home. It's called Flower Mountain. I enjoyed climbing that mountain with the massive rock structures and caves all over the place. It was a place of adventure, and um, I considered it a very peaceful place, and looking from the top of that mesa, um, it always felt good to look over the land from a higher level, and my parents would encourage us kids to go outside and play, and so many times that mountain would serve as a place where I would hang out. As I grew older, I began to understand that life on the reservation was not always peaceful. It was filled with Many episodes of violence and heartache and pain. Our people gave me the impression they lived in all sorts of fearful superstition. They feared 
the creatures such as owls and the physical darkness and their characteristics and their traditional beliefs. Our home was visited by relatives who had gotten drunk, beaten up so bad that you could hardly recognize who they were at times. And as a kid, this was not something I looked forward to. I saw how alcohol had impacted so many of our families, including ours. I saw firsthand the herd, even of my own cousins. I saw the response of relatives whose dads were alcoholics. One cousin of mine couldn't stand it anymore, shot himself, committed suicide. When I look back, I see tragedies plagued our community. We were encouraged as kids to do good in school, do your best to get an education. In high school, many of my friends wondered if they went off to college, where would they work on the reservation? Employment may have to be away from family off the reservation. Because of this, many did not even pursue to get a higher education. There were some jobs on the reservation, but not the jobs that you were thinking about going to school for. In my younger years, when I was about to finish the fifth grade, my dad got the news um, that they needed him to get more training and education. Um, he worked a IHS service, a inter-health service job. So he was sent off far away to uh, Ferris State College in Big Rapids, Michigan. He would be the first in his family to graduate from college. So my dad went ahead of our family, and we eventually caught up with him. It was difficult. It was hard at first, but it was also exciting and relieving. It was hard to say goodbye to the good family and relatives from Laguna. but It was exciting to see a new place. It was Relieving in the sense of not having to deal with all the drama that I saw almost on a routine basis. Uh, we lived in Michigan for a few years. And after my dad had finished his training, we moved back to Laguna. Uh, he worked for the Environmental Health Department. And uh, I was so thankful for that window of opportunity to live off the reservation to realize that not all white men were evil and wanted to take away from us like we were told in different narratives that people put out. When we moved back to Laguna, it meant that I would now attend the Laguna Acoma High School. It was where grades 8 through 12 were combined in the same area using the same facilities. During that period, I saw many things that didn't make sense to me. For example, in our culture, there were different ceremonial dances. Why did we allow some people to attend and why were others not allowed? This bothered me, caused me to question what our people believe. They had dances that the public could see, such as the buffalo dance, the butterfly and the eagle dance. Then they had other dances considered sacred, and only tribal members were allowed to attend these types of dances. 
What got me very disturbed was to see those men who participated in our dances, men that I had respect for in our cultural ways, to find out that they were beating their wives and causing havoc, trouble in their own homes. Men that I had participated with dances in our traditional ways, being thrown into jail for all kinds of wicked behavior. In my mind, I I thought taking part of these religious dances were to make you a, a better person, strengthen you, especially if you made all the preparations and all the sacrifices that went into it. I used to think these ceremonies would change men, but they didn't. This was my experience. My dad, many years later, shared with me something that he had never mentioned. Uh, This was before he passed away. He told me that my grandfather told my dad not to get involved with the traditional dances because they were driven by societies that had jealous and evil spirits. So my dad, to my knowledge, did not participate in that way. However, he was fluent in our Laguna language, even served as a tribal councilman, but did not participate in these dances. When we were growing up, he was not at all dogmatic in any way to get us involved in the traditional dances. I believe my brothers and I got involved because of peer pressure from our families, our cousins and relatives. So that was something I dealt with. Another part of growing up on the reservation that I look back at was somewhat confusing is that most of our people here on the reservation participated in their traditional beliefs, doings, but yet participated to some degree in the Roman Catholic Church. As a kid, I was taught both beliefs can harmonize. It's very interesting because our neighbors from the Pueblo Vacama have the history of unforgettable atrocities, bad things in their history involving the Roman Catholic Church. And yet all the Pueblos in New Mexico allow the Roman Catholic teachings on their reservations. It's unbelievable. Today I feel very strongly our people still need to know what the truth is about having a relationship to God. As a kid, I struggled greatly being taught by some to pray with cornmeal, and to kneel down and pray to some statue of some so-called saint. You might say I had one foot in the Kiva and one foot in the Roman Catholic Church. During my high school years, I loved music, and I loved it so much that I got involved in a rock and roll band playing the drums. At the onset of the beginning of our band, we didn't have a band name, and The guys used to rent amplifiers from the Wild West Music Store of Albuquerque. One Friday evening, one of the guys' trucks couldn't work, and time was pressing to get to the place where we had to play. So we ended up calling and renting a taxi, loaded up all the equipment, and drove it to Ray's Bar and Grill of San Fidel, New Mexico. We ended up calling uh, that band taxi. My neighbor, Skip, was the bass player. Willie from Zuni Pueblo was the rhythm guitarist, and Marvin from Laguna was the lead guitarist. We played in bars while I was still in my junior and senior year of high school, and after two years, 
while I tried to go to college. I saw the nightlife. I saw how people were laughing on the outside, but will be hurting on the inside. I used to think, why do people drink? I tried it myself, and it made a mockery of me. The Bible says, "Wine is a mocker; strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise." Those experiences with the band and times of partying allowed me to see people like myself were looking to fill a void that only God could fill. That's an interesting way of putting it, but it's true. Apart from God, nothing truly satisfies. Jesus likened it to thirst. One day, he met a troubled woman coming to draw water from an old well. He said to her. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. Jesus knew what this woman really needed, and she took him up on his offer. You can find this story in the Bible in John chapter four. If you're thirsting for more than this world has to offer, let me encourage you. To come to Jesus, want to know more? Visit our website withoutreservation.com and click on the tab "New Life," or download the Storyteller Radio app and choose Hope. You can also write to us at the Storyteller, PO Box one thousand and one, Bemidji, Minnesota five six six one nine. That's PO Box one thousand and one, Bemidji, Minnesota. Five six six one nine. Our phone number is eight seven 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 six six four six four eight. That's eight seven 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 six six four six four eight. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's more to Byron's story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to the storyteller.